The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day of day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. O come, O Lord Emmanuel. Amen. Happy New Year. We, um, we exchange this greeting as Christians because, of course, this is the beginning of our year. And I thought it might be helpful, at least certainly for me, to think a little bit about Advent and um, how we can use it to uh, make use of the singularly most incredible event uh, in, in, a, in a Christian person's life, say for the resurrection. And if we look at our uh, reading, reading inserts, we see at the very top the color purple. And that reminds us that this is not really um, a sugar plum fairy uh, little uh, plaything, th these groups of Sundays. Uh, this is a serious business. And indeed, it reminds us of Lent, which in fact it is. There are in fact many similarities, not just in terms of our need to prepare for something that is far beyond our ability or worthiness to receive, uh, but this particular collect that we read today is uh, or was uh, uh, supposed to be read every single day uh, in Advent as a preparation uh, for the Lord's birth. And so, too, in Lent, there is a prayer that should be read every single day uh, in Lent as preparation for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now, I think uh, at this time of year, uh, I certainly, and, and perhaps you, become very disoriented because um, we, our lives are on two separate tracks. Uh, if you can imagine um, this track that we're on here in this building and at this time have to do with a very serious business, with us preparing ourselves uh, for the coming of Christ. And uh, that means a lot. That means we have to do quite a bit, and we will uh, hear more of that uh, uh, later. But then on the other track, we know, because we're uh, uh, parents and grandparents and friends, that we uh, exchange gifts, and there is this um, huge onslaught of commercial stimulation, uh, which attacks us uh, 
pretty much, I think, before Halloween, but maybe not, but certainly after Halloween. And in that, in, in that theme, as a commercial theme would be, everything is immediate gratification. Everything uh, is material. Uh, everything uh, is intended to be acquired right away. And I think it does become somewhat confusing, but um, while we're here, while we're here, and hopefully you can take this home, we are trying to prepare ourselves for a great mystery. And we turn here uh, in our lections uh, to uh, several statements, both in Romans and in Matthew, about something amazing uh, that might happen. Um, I might just ask you, you know, uh, what's before the beginning? You know, this is a new year. What's before the beginning? Well, it's in these two, two lections, the end. But the end. This is the end. That's what they're talking about. And in order to have a good beginning, you've got to wipe everything away. And by that, symbolically, it means our, our wrongs, our mistakes, our lack of interest, our limitations, etc., etc. And that particular point, perhaps, is somewhat confusing. But it gets worse. Because, in fact, each of our elections uh, and colics as we go through Advent are not about the great celebration uh, that we are to, which we will celebrate. Uh, hardly. They are, in fact, dealing with John the Baptist. There's two, two elections that deal with that in successive weeks. We are still uh, dealing then with you must repent of your sins, you must become baptized, you must participate in the faith of the church. And if you don't, if you don't, you have no, you have no seat at the table. And I think these ideas are, A, they're slightly distressing, but they also sometimes are, as I say, out of, out of step with what's going on around us, where everything seems fine uh, and uh, we can get exactly, exactly what we want. I uh, also uh, have thought that these two, colla- these two lections, um, each in their own way, uh, make a statement about perhaps uh, what we might do. Um, and what we might seek. Uh, for instance, in the, in the Romans, uh, there's a comment uh, about our salvation. And for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. And that, that word salvation is, a, is a, a big and powerful word because it's something that, I, I, at least for myself, I, I might seek it, but then well, I might be a little afraid of it, too. Well, I mean, what's that going to ask of me? And it, our understanding um, of this word is that it, it, it's involved with repentance, it's, re, it's involved with faith, it's involved with see, seeking, knowing, and doing God's will. All of those things. And only in that way will we be able to understand this great mystery that is going to happen. Now, God, uh, if you remember, um, has uh, tried to offer this uh, huge gift before. There was uh, Adam and Eve, and uh, that didn't go too well because, uh, because of us, because of our innate nature. Um, and we wanted everything, and uh, we were co- coached into doing it. But uh, don't, don't let uh, either the woman or the man's disavowal of what they did 
confuse you. They, they wanted to do what they did. So that was the first time. And uh, God was really disappointed. He thought they were going to hang in there, you know, in the Garden of Eden, everything would be cool. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. And then the second, so that's first one, strike number one. Now, strike number two was a story uh, which we read uh, in Genesis. And it's a story where uh, God first said, you know, the, the world is getting very, very crowded, very populated. And this theme is made several times in, in this particular uh, part of, uh, of the story. And not only that, but people were, were being cruel to each other, uh, were hurting each other, were stealing from each other. And uh, I don't know if this is what broke the camel's back, but uh, this, the uh, Genesis says that um, there are a whole, there are huge numbers of incredibly uh, beautiful women, and they were so beautiful that. Um, some uh, spirits uh, decided that they would marry them. And uh, the outcome of that were called Nathalim. And there's a lot of sort of um, mystery about these creatures. But the point is, is that God said, that, that's enough. I've had it. And in a way, um, it's very interesting because it's sort of, it's a slightly immature God. You know, he's having a tantrum. So he says, damn it, you know, I'm just going to drown everybody. And we'll start over. And that's literally what he says. And it's actually, it's very much akin um, uh, uh, to, you know, to other stories that we have uh, in the Bible about God, you know, taking a particular, uh, a particular uh, position on something. Like, for instance, uh, he and the devil were, and this is literally the way it's presented, he and the devil were like hanging out. And the devil said, uh, hey, God. Uh, you know what? I think I can find one of your most uh, faithful supporters and I can make him curse you. And God said, no way, no way. You know, I'm, I, my, my people are solid, you know. And the devil says, oh, no, they're not. And he says, well, OK. God says, the most solid of all of them is Job. He's going to help. And, it, and then, of course, the story of Job goes on. And it's, uh, you know, pretty sobering. But the point is, is that God loses his temper if you want to say that, and uh, drowns everybody. And then afterwards, he says to Moses and his family, that's it, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to show you the rainbow sign that, you know, this is all okay. And, and then that's the end of it. So that's strike two. And this, this story here that we are participating in, is strike three. This is, this is what we have left. And that is that God sent his only son, with the purpose of helping us understand that we needed his help, we needed his love, we needed his direction, all of those things. And that is what Jesus taught during his ministry, as well as the perfect atonement that he made with his body and his blood and the resurrection which followed. Without that, we, we have nothing. We have nothing. And so preparing for this event is crucial. And um, this is where part this is where part of my sermon gets really kind of tough, because the main thing that has to be practiced in Advent, I think even more than in late Lent, is waiting, waiting, waiting. And I don't know if you're like me. No good. Waiting is no good. Can't wait. Nope. Can't wait. And uh, the city that gave me my origin, Manhattan, a New York minute, 
You know how long that is? All right. No waiting. No waiting. How about, I had to look this up actually, i got to confess, but uh, how, how about a nanosecond? You know how long a nanosecond is? I was off by three zeros. It's a billion, one billionth of a second. That's, uh, that's awful little time. But sometimes people expect it by that. And this is turning all of that on its head. And, you know, people, I think, have even gotten to the point where they say, you know, why wait? Waiting is a waste of time. It's a waste of money. Uh, I I don't need that. But my point to you is this, that if you learn to wait, a lot of things come to you while you're sitting there. And hopefully you're not steaming. You're sitting there. Number one, what comes to you uh, is an awareness of acceptance, that that's where you are. That's where you're supposed to be right there is waiting how about maybe I'm not so important that I have to get up and run around so humility I think humility comes there and no doubt that patience does these are all I think good values but so often they're sort of consumed by this sort of frenzy that you know we've got to do this we've got to do that and behind all of it, and this may not be fair, but I think it's more, unfair, it's more fair than unfair, is that in our culture, uh, and I think particularly the, maybe the Western culture, but I don't know, China's catching up, and that is that, that basically um, we're much more interested in, in uh, doing than we are in being. And there just has to be a balance. You remember Mary and Martha, you know? Martha was the one running around with a scrubbing brush and, you know, using the broom everywhere. And she got irritated at her sister Mary, who wasn't doing any of that. She was just being at the foot of their Lord praying. And so that's the balance between doing and doing and being. Uh, as I said, I'm not suggesting you should always be. But I think a lot of people have a trouble with being because they don't like who they're being with, you know, themselves. They don't like that, you know. And I think that um, waiting offers you an opportunity maybe to get to get to, to know a part of you that you didn't really know that well. Um, you know, I think that's it's a hard it's a hard estimation to make. But I, I dare say. That's what you can learn to do um, in, in Lent. Um, I remember when uh, I was a chaplain in San Francisco, and uh, I was talking to a patient, and the patient started to go into uh, cardiac arrest. And I pulled the button, and uh, then I got out of the way, because as you probably have heard or seen on TV or whatever, you know, all these people come rushing in, you know, and they were all doing whatever, you know, they, they do. Uh, and um, I was literally standing up against the wall with my back to the wall, and I was feeling my dog collar was really tight. And I really began to feel, um, you know, useless. You know, these people were in there doing stuff, you know, and whatever, as I said, whatever they do. And I felt like I didn't belong there. You know, in fact, I was going to leave. And then I really, this just came to me. I said, you know, don't just do something. Stand there. 
Don't just do something. Stand there. And what that meant to me was, gee, you know, maybe I could say a prayer for the patient or, you know, for the people that were trying to save his life. And, um, you know, the, and I felt better about being there. You know what I mean? I, I, I felt it was okay. And I think that also is this sort of, you know, you confirm being a, is, is just as good as doing. And you really have to be careful if you can't just be. Now, at this time of year, I mean, people say, oh, come on, you know, I can't be doing that. But I think, it, I think if you're sort of like willing to do something, like you say, I'm willing to pray, and maybe I can do a prayer for a, a person I know needs help, or maybe I could do a prayer uh, for something that um, God can show me, you know, the way towards. I think it's always dangerous to take prayer and, you know, do the red fire truck prayer, you know, oh God. I really, I really want a red fire truck, you know, and I want chrome wheels. And, and it's just that I, I don't think God answers those prayers, honestly. He gives you what you need. And what your gift is, is the gift of discernment. Remember, remember Solomon? He had the gift of discernment. That means he knew the difference between things and which was more true, which was more right. And that made him wiser than everybody else. You know, that's what made him said, hey, you know, we're going to cut that kid in half. We're going to cut the kid in half because I can't decide between you silly women who's the child belong to. And as soon as he said that, the mother said, you know, I'll give it. I'll give the child to the other mother who was faking it. It's that's discernment. And that's the kind of wisdom that we can learn, I think, by sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting. And, you know, what's true about Advent is, is people have been waiting for a long time for this child to come. And it's written in the prophecies. It's written all over the place. And now is the time where dawn is at hand. Dawn is at hand. And it is time for us to wake from sleep. That's what time it is. Time to wake from sleep. And I think... The way handling Advent is, is that you, you know, you, you do sort of things which maybe you wouldn't do. Like you call somebody, oh, I don't know, you don't really like, you know, or, or you write a letter to somebody you don't like. Or you write a letter, period, you know, or do something like that. Or maybe um, I tried to do this once or twice and I, I have done it. I don't do it enough, but you do something for somebody and they don't know that you did it. I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, and you know, something good for somebody. They, they, you know, they didn't know what, that she did it. Um, I think uh, you know uh, another very difficult skill, uh, which uh, certainly people in, in, in my medical profession don't really do a very good job with, as you well know, is listening. Listening. Yeah. Listening. You know? If uh, I don't even know if I should tell you this, but it's 17 seconds. The, the patient's in the chair, the doctor's in his chair, and after 17 seconds of the patient talking, blah, 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 the doctor jumps in. That's not listening, is it? That's not good. And uh, I don't want to increase your disgruntlement, so I, I'm not going to go on about that. But, <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, is that all of us could be better listeners, really, you know? And, uh, you know, that's why we have the, you know, the two ears and the one mouth is to try to listen, listen. And, and that really is a good thing. I mean, if you were to wait and to listen, I think, you know, I think you'd hear God whispering in your ear. I really do. You know, 
So I, I think those kinds of things are, are, are what we try to do. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's good not to be overwhelmed. I think it's good to do something for yourself. You know, something for yourself. Uh, to be kind to yourself. And, you know, our children are, you know, they're very excited. And they should be. They should be. But I think they should also be excited about what's happening in, in here. As, as well as the things that they might, may get. Which is wonderful. Of course I mean, they're allowed to get things. But I don't think it should stress people out so much that it ruins their, their ability to reach out to God. And so uh, I, I, I say to you all, uh, have a, a good and holy Advent. And let it equip you with what you need to grow in the Lord. And then to be there, to be there at the stable. To be there, to see it, to know it, to understand what it means to you. And that, for all of us, will be a wonderful thing. Amen.